Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In John 13, after Peter spoke of his absolute devotion to Jesus, Jesus told Peter that he would indeed deny him three times. In John 18, we see Peter's denial play out. As disciples of Jesus Christ, it is certainly our duty to own Jesus as our Lord and Savior in any and every situation. Like Peter, however, all of us have failed and denied Jesus in one way or another. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 18 and look at the amazing lessons that we can glean through this account. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Wednesday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus. Like we say every time, there's nothing better in our lives, nothing more edifying in our lives, nothing more fulfilling in our lives, nothing more beneficial in our lives than spending time growing to know Jesus, growing to know his love for you, growing to, to love him and growing to obey him. We do that by spending time in the Word of God. That's our, our biggest priority is to know His Word for us. Obviously, we spend time in prayer, which is, you know, giving our words to Him, right? Um, and again, this is how we grow in relationship. We, we, uh, we, should, we ought to have daily times of praise and worship and certainly of thanksgiving, times of repentance, fellowship and community with other believers. In all these ways, we grow to know Jesus more, more intimately. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Today, we're going to do, uh, we're in John 18. We're going to do verses 15 till uh, to 27, Lord willing. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your favor and your mercy and your goodness on our lives. We thank you for your grace. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect life for us. We thank you for dying just the torturous death for us, Lord. And we worship you today and we thank you that you are alive and risen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Open the word of God to our hearts. We ask you to give us eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear Jesus. Lord Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. John 18, starting in verse 15. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. 
When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him still bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servant, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again Peter denied it, and at that moment a rooster began to crow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, um, you know, it's it's an interesting scene here. John records, I mean, it was in John 13, um, around, you know, I'm trying to think, John 13, um, maybe 30, 38, could be 13. I'm trying to think where Jesus told Peter he would deny him three times. Um, it's in... Um, let me see. It's actually down in, uh, it's actually down in verse 38, right? Um, in verse 37, it says, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. In 38, it says, then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth before the rooster crows you will disown me three times. So in John 13, 38, Jesus tells Peter, Jesus knows, obviously being God, he knows what Peter will do. Um, he knows what we'll do and what we won't do. And so he tells Peter explicitly, not only that he'll deny him, but he'll deny him three times. And he even tells him about a rooster crowing before the rooster crows. You will deny me three times. Um, when you think about that, just, just let that you know wash over you for a minute. That Jesus told Peter exactly what was going to happen, how many times it was going to happen, and he even told him that a rooster would crow after Peter denies him for the third time. So Jesus sees into the future and tells Peter what's going to happen moment by moment. Now at that point, and, and again, having hindsight for us obviously is a is a tremendous blessing but you know um peter obviously should have went into the prayer should have said forgive me lord but you know it's it's sometimes it's hard for us to believe right sometimes it's just hard to have faith uh, peter should have had faith and said lord i will deny you three times because you said that i would right um but again it's sometimes it's hard to think you know peter loves jesus as far as he knows, with all his heart, he cannot conceive that he'll deny him. He just told Jesus, I'll lay down my life for you, right? So it's just, uh, it's interesting when we think about it, right, Ian, that, uh, you know, that we, um, you know, that Jesus really knows, you know, what we're going to do. He knows what we think. He knows what we're going to do. He knows what we're going to speak. He knows what we're not going to do. He knows all the circumstances involved in it. He even knows that a rooster will crow after the third denial. So it's, uh, you know, Jesus knows us obviously substantially better than we know ourselves. 
again, another one of the countless reasons why you want to spend more time growing to know Jesus, growing to love him, and trying to grow to be like him. And again, having an earnest repentance, you know, when we fall short in that. All right. Verse 15. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. So remember, uh, Jesus has willingly turned himself over to be arrested. Um, you remember in the last teaching that they asked for Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. And 600 soldiers fell to the ground at his word. Um, again, Jesus was making it clear that they're not taking him. He's going to willingly submit uh, to their arrest, persecution, torture, and crucifixion because he's going to you know, willingly die for the sin of the world. But it's not imposed on him. And so he submits to the arrest and, you know, he was taken to, to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, right? Um, and so again, you see, um, again, I said this last time, you just see this good old boy system in the, in the, uh, in the priesthood. Um, and, and we said last time we actually have this this kind of thing in the church today, you know, where, where oftentimes people will, will be given positions in a church, not because the Lord called them to the position, but, you know, because they know somebody, right? In Texas, we call that a good old boy system, right? That, that somebody gets a job, somebody gets a favor, not because of merit, but because of who you know, right? Um, it's obviously not of the Lord. Um, it's fine to put a friend in a ministry position, but they obviously need to be qualified. They need to be amongst the most qualified, right? And if someone is not, you know, qualified to, to do a job, then obviously we need to put someone in a position that has more qualifications, again, if they're available, right? Um, and so in verse 15, Jesus is being taken. And so it says, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. You remember that uh, Peter has struck off, had, had, uh, had cut off the high, uh, the servant of the high priest's ear, a man named Malchus. Um, we were told in Luke that Jesus healed the ear, right? John doesn't tell us that. Um, and so it says, uh, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. So they're following at a distance. To, they want to see what's going on. It says, because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. Now, the other disciple, it says Simon Peter and another disciple. Um, this is almost certainly the author of this gospel, John, um, who doesn't mention himself, which is uh, undoubtedly an act of humility. He doesn't feel it necessary to use his own name. Um, and so he, he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. And here he refers to himself as another disciple, again, not using his own name. And it says, because this disciple, and John speaking about himself, was known to the high priest, he went in, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. Now, scholars say that, um, that John knew the high priest. It could have been, you know, through family. It could have been through business relations. Um, his father, you know, John's father, Zebedee, was a, uh, was a fisherman. 
So it could have been perhaps that um, the family got the high priest some some you know the the fish or the best quality fish, or, or again it could have been a a family relationship that someone in the high priest's family could have married someone in John's family, but John has an in, right with the high priest's family, um, and so he's known, right. So it says, because this disciple, John, was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. Otherwise, there'd be no reason for them to be let in, okay? But, you know, people recognize John, and they even recognize John as a disciple of Jesus, okay? Um, it says in verse 16, but Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. In verse 17, it says, you are not one of his disciples. In the other version, it says, you are not one of his disciples too, are you? Verse 17, you are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. So John was known as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus. But Peter here replies in verse 17, I am not. So John is, is openly a disciple of Jesus, where Peter, and here we see Peter's first denial, um, where he denies it, right? Um, and it's interesting, you know, he just, you know, he just tried to, to show his courage, right, physically in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. When they went to take Jesus, Peter draws a sword and again, cuts off the, the high priest's servant. Malchus's ear, right? Um, but here, and you know, at that time, there were 600 soldiers present, and Peter just reacts and goes to, you know, perhaps cut off his head and gets to his ear, um, you know, or perhaps he's standing behind him and, you know, just cuts off one of his ear. Um, we're not told what, you know, what Peter was trying to do. Um, you know, other scholars believe that. Peter was aiming for his head and just happened to cut off his ear, right? Um, but it says, Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, John, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. Okay, so they know that John is a follower of Jesus. But now this is just a, a servant girl, right, at the door, right? She's just 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 manning the door, and she just asks Peter an offhanded question. You are not one of his disciples, are you? And like I said, the other version says, you are not one of his disciples too, very clearly implying that, that John is, a, you know, is known as a disciple of Jesus. And again, this is just a, a servant girl at the door. But yet, you know, Jesus is on trial. Obviously, Peter is fearful. And, and yet, he just was, again, with 600 soldiers, he pulls his sword and cuts off a man's ear. But here, it's just a servant girl at the door, and yet he replies, I am not. And um, this is Peter's first denial. We'll see here before the teaching ends that he'll deny him two more times, as we read, right? Um, and it's just, it's hard to understand, right? Um, it's it's hard to understand our own heart, right? All of us, you know, desire to be faithful to Jesus, right? As Christians, as disciples of Jesus, all of us, right, Chloe, we want to be faithful to Jesus. We want to 
to honor him, right? We, we certainly want to own him, right? As disciples of Jesus, it's our responsibility to own Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in any and every, in, uh, any and every situation. But how do we know? I mean, you know, undoubtedly, the vast majority of us, you know, would have done what Peter did, right? We would have, you know, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to have the courage to stand up for Jesus, but that's what, you know, we're called to do. And, you know, Lord willing, by the grace and mercy of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, when we're called on to stand up for Jesus, we'll have the, the courage to do that in whatever the situation is, right? But here, um, it says, you are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. You know, um, he, didn't, he could have said nothing, right? Um, but, but he just flat out denied it. He said, he replied, I am not. Verse 18, it was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. So again, um, it says that there were servants, there were officials, there was a big fire, it was cold outside. And so Peter didn't want to be, you know, standing around by himself. He didn't want to be, you know, noticed as just being alone and kind of just, you know, roaming about. So you know, he's, uh, he tries to blend in so as not to look like, you know, he's there to see what's going on with Jesus, right? Now, he can, um, in Luke's gospel, I believe it's Luke, it may be in Matthew. Um, let me check here real quick. Um, it's Matthew 26. It says that, that Jesus could, um, So yeah, it's in Luke. Now in Matthew, in the in this account in Matthew in verse 26, verses 69 to 74, it says, Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the, said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. Verse 73, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Verse 74 says, then he began to call down curses on himself and swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So John graciously leaves that out. Matthew just, you know, puts in the, the horrible details. But just, you know, imagine Peter not only denies it that he knows Jesus, but he begins to, to call down curses on himself and swears an oath that he doesn't know Jesus. Um, and again, save the grace of God, go all of us, right? All of us ought to look inside of us and hope and pray that, you know, we would have the courage to stand up for Jesus. But, you know, until we're in the situation, um, you know, we don't know. But yes, it should be our desire to stand for Jesus in whatever circumstance the Lord puts us in. But oftentimes that's not easy, right? I mean, most of us, 
golly, it's very hard for us to talk about Jesus, right? Every human being in the world needs Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. But very few Christians, a minute percentage of Christians, less than 1% of people who claim to be Christians have any type of active lifestyle of evangelizing for Christ, meaning consistently talking about Jesus Christ, talking about the need for Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Again, because it's hard. It it, it seems like we're imposing on people, right? And it, and it sounds intolerant. But there's nothing more loving that you and I can do as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, than share the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Without Jesus Christ, no one will see heaven. Out of his own mouth in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those are his words, okay? So when we share the gospel, it's because we love people and we don't want them to perish and be separated from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and spend eternity in hell. And that's the only other option, is either receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, or spend eternity separated from the triune God in hell. And so when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're doing the most loving thing we can. We're giving people the the solution to eternal death and separation from God and giving them the truth in the gospel, how they can come to eternal life in Jesus Christ, right? So are you trusting and relying on Jesus Christ today? John 1.12 says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Are you trusting and relying on him today and him alone? knowing that you're a hopeless, desperate, helpless sinner, right, Scott? And only Jesus Christ can save you. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us, okay? It's Christ that saves us. We use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus, right? If you're not sure that you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then simply go before him. Humble yourself before him and just just pray to him. Lord Jesus, I I know that I'm a sinful person, Lord. And, And I know, Lord, that I cannot save myself. Lord, I know that I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. I'm desperate, Lord. But Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I believe you did come into this world and live a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe that you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now, I humbly ask you to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian, right? That's how you... receive Christ. Now, again, it's it's not just puppeting those words, right? It's the sincerity of your heart, the genuineness of your heart, knowing yourself a hopeless sinner and running to Jesus Christ and receiving 
what he did at the cross on your behalf and in your place for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. It's genuinely knowing your need of him and genuinely crying out to him and receiving him, right? That's how you become a Christian. So if you're not sure that you're a Christian, if you think maybe you just believe in Jesus, but it's an intellectual belief and you're not truly trusting and relying on Jesus, then again, rewind the tape, go back, use the words I used. But again, it's the, it's the humility and the sincerity of your heart of understanding your desperate need of Jesus and that only he can save you from eternal hell. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, verse 19. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Um, we were doing Bible study on uh, yesterday, and Jesse and Stephen led us. And, um, you know, we were talking about this, this verse that, you know, uh, this is, again, Annas. He was the high priest before Caiaphas. Um, and, you know, he's Caiaphas', Caiaphas father-in-law. And, you know, it's just such a scene of hubris. It's, it's, it's beyond comprehension what's happening here, okay? Jesus is God, right? And here is the guy who had just been high priest recently. We don't know how long, but, it, you know, doesn't appear it was long before this. And then he appointed his son-in-law to be high priest. Um, and it says that he questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. And Jesus is not going to answer him on either. Okay. Um, which is good. I, uh, my, uh, you know, my first spiritual father, and he still is a spiritual father to me. His name is Rick. And, and, you know, when I was a new Christian around 24 years ago, 25 years ago, he told me he had this observation that, you know, Jesus never defended a position that he didn't hold. Right. And so clearly the high priest is asking Jesus about his disciples and his teaching because the high priest is acting as if there's some legitimate reason that Jesus was arrested and brought before him. There is no legitimate reason for this. Jesus has done nothing wrong in any way. So first of all, he's protecting his disciples. So he's not going to answer any questions about his disciples. And as far as his teaching, verse 20, Jesus says, I've spoken openly to the world. That's a, that's a strong, that's just a strong statement. Jesus said, I have spoken openly to the world. All 8 billion people in the world, right? For the most part, have access to the Bible or the word of God. Now, there are still some parts in some third world countries. That's why we have missionaries that go out and teach the scriptures. I myself, along with Jesse, have been out into, uh, into Mozambique, deep into the African bush, um, twice, right? Uh, teaching the word of God. Um, but Jesus has spoken openly to the world. There are, you know, undoubtedly billions of Bibles in the world where you can read, you know, tens of billions if you count the Bibles online. I mean, on apps, on everything. They're just, they're everywhere, right? Jesus said, I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Listen, listen to that response from Jesus. I have spoken openly to the world. Now, this is this, 
this whole mock trial, everything is just, uh, is just, it's not true. It's all a farce. It's just a, a disgusting show. And yet this guy in all of his pomp and arrogance, right, and hubris is questioning Jesus Christ, God, right? Who's the only sinless being. My brother Jason Ross wrote a book called The Sinless Man. Jesus is the only sinless person to ever live, right? Never sinned in, in thought, word, or deed. And he's questioning Jesus as if he's Jesus's authority. And Jesus says, I've spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. When you're lying, you say everything in secret. When you have something to hide, you do everything in secret. This whole mock thing, right? They went and arrested Jesus at night and it's all done in secret, right? I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. So I taught publicly, Jesus said. I've spoken openly to the world. Why, why are you questioning me as if you're going to find some evidence against me that I did something wrong? Verse 21, why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. So here Jesus very clearly sets the record straight, saying that there's no, no reasonable, no relevant questions for you to ask me about my disciples or about my teaching. As far as my disciples go, I'm not telling you anything about them because he's protecting them and he's looking out for them, right? And as far as my teaching, he says, for three and a half years, I've been teaching. I've been teaching openly to the world. I taught at the synagogues. I taught at the temple. All the Jews were there. You can ask anyone and they'll tell you what I, what I taught. So he puts him in his place and he speaks the truth. Verse 22 is just something that, uh, you know, when I was studying for this and preparing for this and just, just trying to imagine this, this man doing this, and just when we think about our worst moments in life, right, this man's name is not given by the grace of God, but in verse 22 it says, when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face, and the other version says struck him with an open palm, so just hard slapped Jesus across the face because he didn't like what Jesus said. He slapped Jesus, again, a man, uh, a guard, right, or an official, with an open palm, just bang, just slaps Jesus across the face. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. The, 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 again, it's so incomprehensible to know that we don't know who we're dealing with. Obviously, this man did not know that that was God in the flesh standing before him. And in feigned indignation, he finds a reason to just slap Jesus across the face. And Jesus takes it. And Lord willing, this man came to receive. We're not told, Lord willing, this man came to receive Christ as his Savior. Because make no mistake, as horrible of a scene as this is, 
all of us have slapped Jesus in the face. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I thank you, Lord, that you not only took the slap in the face from this man, but you've certainly taken, I don't know how many slaps in the face from me. Lord, all of us, you have just taken just such an undignified, absurd slap in the face. Lord, I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us where it was us that struck you in the face and you took it. Jesus could have unmade this man. Jesus could have turned to him, spoken a word, and he wouldn't have existed anymore. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? Jesus answered the high priest in truth. You know religion, right? Biblical Christianity is about a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Religion, when it's, when it's challenged, gets, it, it, it gets angry. It gets ugly. It gets nasty. It gets defensive. And all of us got some of that living in us, right? Verse 23, if I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. Because that's what's supposed to happen. This whole thing is a joke. This whole thing, no witnesses. They just, this, you know, the whole thing has not been done correctly. You know, in, in that time in Roman law, you just couldn't arrest someone, right? The whole thing was made up. He didn't do anything wrong. And even now, he's struck in the face, which is wrong, right? He says, if I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Right? Um, again, Jesus simply spoke the truth. I've spoken openly to the world. Why are you asking me about my teaching? Jesus, Jesus answers this way because he knows that the high priest is asking him questions. They're not legitimate questions. And like Father Rick said, you know, Jesus is not going to defend a position he doesn't hold. At other times, he just doesn't say a word. Because what's being said is so foolish, right? It's so ridiculous. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? You know, it, when we're going to stand up for Jesus Christ and speak the truth of Jesus Christ, people aren't going to like it. Now, now let um, now, again, let's be clear about something. Okay, defending ourselves when we feel wronged. Okay, that that's not speaking the truth. Okay, um, when we just stand in defense of ourselves because we feel that we're being persecuted or mistreated. Okay. Uh, th that's something else, okay? We need to have a, a humility about ourselves um, and, and try to be loving, you know, uh, in the face of it, right? But when we're speaking the truth for Christ, when we're standing up for Christ and we're mistreated, right? We're in the, we're in the mercy of God, right? Um, I believe it's 1 Peter 3 that says that if you suffer, you know, as a, as a Christian, 
right? Be proud that you bear that name as opposed to being suffering for, for wrongdoing, right? I believe it's 1 Peter 3. Um, it says in verse 24, Then Annas sent him, still bound, to Caiaphas the high priest. So again, uh, Annas sends him to the who's the current high priest who can really handle the trial, right? But he sends him bound as if Jesus is a criminal, right? He's done nothing wrong. Then Annas sent him still bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Verse 25, as Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, you are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it saying, I am not. There's Jesus' second, there's Peter's second denial. Remember, Jesus told Peter he would deny him three times. Now, when Jesus said those words, it was certainly going to happen, right? Jesus is God. When he speaks, he speaks the word of God. We read it in John 13, 38, that Jesus said that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now, it was certainly going to happen. When we read the word of God, when we're convicted by the word of God, when we see the reality of the word of God, and it's hard, but when we, when we see our life is, our, is, is not in line with the word of God in whatever way it is, we, we need to bring order to it, right? In James 1, it says that the scripture is, is like a mirror, right? When you look into the Bible, it's like looking in a mirror and it reflects what's out of place. The purpose of a mirror um, you know, Corinne is not so we can just, just, uh, you know, admire ourselves, right? Um, the purpose of a mirror is to put in order what's out of place, Wendy, right? Not just to look into the mirror and just say, man, I look good, right? So the scripture, when you look into the scripture, it ought to be like looking in a mirror where the scripture reflects when you read it, that which is out of place, right? Like if your hair's out of place in a mirror, you fix it. If you got, you know, if you got something on your face, you take it off, right? Um, whatever it is, right? That's the function of a mirror. And the scripture should be like a mirror before us, you know, showing us, you know, the things that, that are out of place and that, that need to be corrected, right? Simon Peter stood warming himself. He was asked, you are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it saying, I am not. Verse 26, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? So remember, Jesus was, you know, just a few hours earlier, right? Or we don't know how long, but it could have been an hour, 30 minutes, two hours. But it was very shortly, he was with Jesus, with the detachment of soldiers, again, probably around 600 soldiers. Um... Peter draws his sword, cuts off Malchus's ear, and apparently um, this person, a relative of, Ma of Malchus, was there when Peter did that. And even though it was a little dark, he could, he could recognize Peter, right? One of the high priest's servant, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? So again, you just see again, just the the whole family good old boy dynamic here. But this guy, you know, saw Peter do it. Verse 27, again, Peter denied it. This is the third denial. And it says, and at that moment, a rooster began to crow. 
Um, and sure enough, after the third denial, the rooster crows, as Jesus said it would happen. Um, we read in Matthew that Jesus, you know, went out and, and wept. I'm sorry, that Peter went out and wept bitterly. And, uh, and, and it's amazing how we can, you know, as believers in Jesus Christ, as sincere believers, we can determine that we, we are not going to, to fail or to fall or to sin, but save the grace of God, save the mercy of our God and the help of the Holy Spirit. So go us all. Now, again, this is not an excuse. We're responsible for our sinful behavior. Um, Jesus is going to, to challenge Peter here in, um, in another three chapters, in the last chapter of the book. Um, you know, uh, you know, Jesus is gonna, gonna talk to Peter about, you know, um, you know, about the job he's given him to do. Um, some say he's going to reinstate him. When we do the study, I certainly don't see that Peter feels reinstated. Peter was never uninstated. Okay. So when we, when we fail like this, we don't, we don't stop being disciples of Jesus Christ. We don't stop being Christians. Okay. We simply go out and we repent. And certainly Peter had a repentant heart as we, uh, as we read in Matthew. Um, so father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our life. We ask you to forgive us again, where we've denied you undoubtedly more than three times. We ask you to forgive us and cleanse us of, of unrighteousness, Lord. And as I've said, Lord Jesus, we're, we're undoubtedly, you've taken slaps in the face from us, Lord, Lord, it was us that nailed you to the cross. It was our sin and our selfishness that that put the spikes in your hands and in your feet. We just worship you, Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. Father, we love you. We bless you. We praise you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the message to our hearts now. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.